We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans, and welcome back to another edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast, the 216th edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. You can find him on Twitter, at Ross Uglum. And guys, combine season is upon us. It is combine week. Happy combine week to you, Ross. How you feeling, man? I'm juiced up. I don't know. I think maybe we said something the last time we were on. Uh, I, or maybe not because I hadn't gotten official word back, but I am going to be credentialed at the Combine. I will be there. Uh, I fly out of Fargo at about 1 o'clock on Wednesday, and I do not return until Monday evening. So I'm going to be there for pretty much the duration as far as media availability is concerned and as certainly as far as uh, uh, drills, on-field drills are concerned. That's awesome. Have you been to the combine before, Ross? I had not. So uh, as many people know, I cover North Dakota State University Athletics uh, for the 24-7 Sports Network and their men's basketball. Uh, it's a one-bid league. You know, you have to win their tournament to get into the dance. It's not like they're having at-large bids come out of the summit. And so their their conference tournament, which is literally a must-win situation every year, uh, is, is, is always the same weekend as the combine. 
Uh, but apparently there was a scheduling snafu with um, the city of Sioux Falls, which is where it's held. And so uh, the, the Summit League tournament is basically going to be the same weekend uh, as the big time tournaments, as the ACC, Big 12, yada, yada. And they try to avoid that, of course, to draw you know more TV ratings. They don't want to be up against the big boys. But this year they are. So I get to do both. Awesome. Yeah, and it's you know, I, I got to go last year and it's fun as a draft nerd just to go. But what's really cool, Ross, and, and you'll see this too, is it's it's like the biggest networking event for, you know, NFL agents and GMs. You know, if you uh, if you're in the right spot, you might see, you know, a John Dorsey walk by, you might see a Brian Gutekunst walk by. And uh, I mean, last year, just talking to some of the guys that are there, there's just so much stuff you hear, especially because that's really where that's really where a lot of free agency talking starts, even though it's technically not legal to do that. It's technically tampering, but pretty much everyone does it. So um, I'm excited for you, man. That's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing some juicy rumors that you hear when you're down there. But uh, like Ross alluded to, that it is it is combine week. So we have got a really fun episode for you guys today. Just Ross and I kind of want to just go over some guys, and I think we're just going to go over position by position. And I don't think we're going to – we're not going to dive too deep into any of these positions, but I think we're going to kind of just give you some surface-level type guys to maybe keep an eye on um, as as the Packers uh, go through this process as well, guys that have either piqued our interest in the process, um, guys that, you know, Ross and I are excited to watch work out, or even guys that we think can really help themselves a lot this week. As we know, every year it seems like there's two or three guys that they come in and they either a they they work out way better than you thought they would, or you know they shoot up draft boards because they can run a four three or something ridiculous like that. Now it's always important to keep in mind. A lot of times those guys don't pan out because uh, running around in shorts is not exactly is not exactly uh, running around on the football field running away from people. But it's a really important part of the process. Interviews are going to be really important. All that stuff as well. One of my favorite weeks of the draft process. Uh, especially when, you know, when you have your big board ready to go. And I know Ross, you got your big board on, on fan speak right now too. So you've got, you've, you've delved into this thing. So you probably feel like, you know, these prospects pretty well at this point. And then you get to go to the combine and, and some of them show you something that you didn't, didn't, didn't think you didn't think they had. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I always say that the, the, the tape is, is the truth, but then, you kind of can eliminate guys uh, based on performance or at the combine or measurables. You can uh, qualify guys based on measurements uh, and, and, and combine performances. And then the biggest thing really, in my opinion, is it's a tiebreaker for a lot of stuff. Um, you know, for example, I have like, so I'm the edge guy for the Cheesehead TV draft guide. I, I am having a real hard time bouncing Ja'Kai Polite and Brian Burns off of each other as far as, um, you know, where they belong on my big board, where they belong in my edge rankings, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, that's a tape thing. Maybe, maybe the combine settles that, you know, maybe something happens and, and it's like, oh, okay, well, if, you know, Ja'Kai comes in with a six, eight, three cone, it's going to be Ja'Kai. And not that I think that's going to happen, but I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because even with the score, the scoring system that I use, you know, last, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about the receivers and the running backs and how there's just a big pocket of them right now. 
And I, I really feel like the combine and the, and the athletic numbers, that's really what helps you break that up. Because right now I have, I have like 12 receivers in the second or third round. And that's probably not going to happen. It might, but you never know. And, and for me, it's just really a definitive thing to say, okay, well, this guy is clearly a better athlete. And then on top of that, Ross, last year, Brian Gutenkus, he loves drafting athletes. So I something that I follow, it's called a relative athletic score. And basically, it's just a, it's just a compilation of – it measures a, an athlete's density, how much they weigh, how big they are, and then compiling that with basically their athletic numbers. And it gives them a score 1 through 10. Last year, Brian Gutekunst's draft was number one in the league if you would average out all the RAS scores that he drafted. So this stuff, it, it, to me, it feels like this does matter to Goody. He, it seems like he likes to draft players that obviously have shown it on the field and then also have the athletic ability to back it up. So this is a big week for uh, some Packers prospects, or so it would appear, because that's kind of what, what we can go off of from last year. But, Ross, let's dive into these prospects. Um, let's start with, obviously, the most important position on the field, the quarterback position. Uh, the I think the obvious answer for this one, what, what everyone – is waiting and looking to see is is Kyler Murray. Is he going to work out? Is he going to run? The rumor is he's up to 205 pounds now, which I think he played at like 180. Um, and we can start with him first, Ross. What are your what are your thoughts on Kyler? What are you looking to see from him? What's something that you think he needs to do this weekend to to really solidify himself? You know, in that first round conversation, it'd be good for him if he would measure in above five foot ten. Um, I'll tell you that much. Kyler for me is such a difficult one uh, because of the amount of teams that will take that chance. So uh, thresholds, of course, is what I'm talking about. Who in the National Football League will just completely scratch him off their list if he if he comes in at five nine and a half? Uh, I, I wouldn't. In fact. I've got a pretty clear shelf if you check out my big board between QB1-2 and then QB3. I think that Haskins and Kyler are the two that I feel like you could design an NFL offense around and have like a top 12, top 13 or better quarterback. And once you get into the top 12, top 13, you, you have a chance at winning a championship without like a actual world-class defense. Uh with Kyler, you know, it's going to depend on so many things. It's going to be, depend on how inventive is the offensive coordinator uh, and then the quarterback's coach and, and the pass game coordinator, the head coach. Are they going to design something that works for Kyler or are they going to just try and jam Kyler into their offense? Because I don't, I don't think that will work. I think you have a better chance kind of, being non-scheme dependent with Haskins just because he's a normal-sized quarterback, although there's not much mobility there. Uh, but but that's kind of where I'm at with with Murray is it's kind of going to be where he measures. And then I think, you know, they're going to want to see him run the 40, uh, and they're probably going to want to see, um, you know, the, the, the throwing drills. And I don't know what he has or hasn't agreed to do yet, but I think against air he's going to throw beautifully. And – Beyond that, you know, the, the the concern, of course, is oh, can he see over the offensive line? Is he going to get a ton of passes batted down? The, and that, tape, the tape doesn't really show that. My concern with his size, honestly, is just his ability to stay on the field. That would concern me more than 
anything um, as far as getting passes knocked down or, you know, not being able to read the offense, read the defense over a six foot six offensive lineman. Well, and you look at Oklahoma's offensive line, they have an NFL sized offensive Big line. Old, yeah. Old dudes. yeah, it's it has not been an issue for him. And I think, you know, guys like Breeze and and Baker and, and Russell, all these guys have kind of paved the way that it, you know, no one really can throw over an offensive line. You know what I mean? The, like, even if, unless you're a six, seven Joe Flacco, that guy kind of can, but no one's really trying to do that. It's all about creating space for yourself and creating throwing lanes. And that's something that Kyler proved he can be good at if he's put in a position to do that. Um, so I think he, he is, he's my QB one right now. And I don't really see anyone knocking him off just because uh, I like Haskins, but I don't, I just don't think he's as dynamic as Kyler. Uh, Kyler's not from everything I've heard, Ross, it sounds like he's not going to run. He's pretty much just going to be there to, to get measured and, and do interviews, which and that can all change. Uh, but I, for me, I think he's almost just trying to bulk up, be as heavy as he can weigh in. Um, I've heard anything over five, eight is going to be a win for him, which is crazy. Cause if he comes in at five, eight and a half, that's who, that's that's really short for an NFL. And, and so that's why my you know, and I if if you guys get over to fan speak, um, I that's what we've been talking about. I have submitted my top two eighty uh, over to fan speak for their mock draft machine. Um, I believe they call it on the clock. And and so what I have there is number eleven overall in QB one is Dwayne Haskins, and number twelve overall in QB two is Kyler Murray. I just so I feel like Kyler's there's a world that that that, that might exist where Kyler Murray's a top five or six guy, um, you know, after your Rodgers and your Brady's and your Breeze have retired, and maybe he's this super dynamic Vic esque presence, um, running the ball, throwing the ball, a more. I think he's faster than Russ. I mean, I think he could give you more on the ground than Russ. So that ceiling is there, but I also feel like there's a world where he just it doesn't work. And with Haskins, I think that things – and the reason I am above there is, is sort of a bets hedging type situation where the, the, the ceiling for Haskins is not where it is for Kyler, but I think the floor is quite a bit higher as well. Yeah, I, yeah it's hard. You know, I, you can't really argue with anyone that has in, those guys in either way, especially right now at this part of the process. But, Ross, we could probably talk about quarterbacks the whole show. Um, but obviously, you know what? What's nice about the Packers is we don't need a quarterback. Okay, so it's kind of nice because how, you know how well could Kyler hold the clipboard? I don't know. Uh, we're not going to find out. So uh, let's move on to the the running back position, and I, I'll start with this one. Um, but the guy that I'm looking most forward to watching is before you get too far into the backs. I just want to say one thing. I think there's a legitimate chance that my QB three. And the 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 champion of, of of my heart and yours, Easton Stick. If Kyler doesn't run, I think he is the heavy favorite. Just looking at this group to win the forty yard dash. What have you heard? He can run. I, do you, you know, know? Do you have a guess? I my, my over under with him is is legitimately four or five. I mean, he he can blaze. Um, they brought in a really mobile quarterback as, as a freshman this year by the name of Trey Lance. And I, I asked him twice in two separate interviews if he was still the fastest guy in the quarterback room. And he said no question. I mean, there was not an ounce of maybe or maybe not in his voice. So I, we'll see. But I would definitely 
Um, I, I think he could run a four five zero. I really do. I think he's that straight line fast. We'll see though. I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah, and I, to not not to talk too much about Easton Sick because I do love him too, but he is a good athlete. He is fun to watch run around, and he's almost the guy that if Packers fans are are still really hurt about losing out on Taysom Hill and and jealous of the way he's being used in New Orleans. I honestly think Easton could be a guy that could bring something like that to the to the Packers offense. But he, he's that level of athlete. He just throws it better. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I would agree with you. I think people are sleeping on him right now, but uh, I'm also I'm a little bit biased. I'm a little bit biased. I will admit that. Uh, but okay, so running backs. the 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 running back that I'm really excited about watching is the his name's uh, Devon Singletary. He is the running back from Florida Atlantic University. And this is a guy that I don't think he's going to set the world on fire with his with his combine workouts. And honestly, Ross, I don't think any of these running backs really are. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of four five, four six type guys. But with Singletary, if he can come in there and run like a four five five, kind of in that area, I think he can really help himself because he's already shown on tape that he's got excellent contact balance. He he kind of reminds me a little bit of Shady McCoy in the sense of. He's a dynamic – he's got dynamic cutting ability. I mean, the guy, the guy can stop and move on a dime. So watching him in the running back drills is going to be fun uh, in the first place. But I'm also excited to see him uh, in the passing drills. I'm excited to see him kind of get out in space and see how he can catch the ball because that's something he didn't really have to do at Florida Atlantic. Not, not saying he can't do it, um, but just saying if he can go out there and prove that he can – I think he could really solidify himself as as the running back two in this class, Ross. And that's that's a crowded room. That I want to be running back two thing is a crowded room. Um, I've got a candidate for it certainly. Uh, my guy David Montgomery, man, I love his film. I love his 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 balance through contact. I love his change of direction ability. But the the, the things that the, the jump out to me on film is he, he looks like a maybe a four or five or a six on the, on the RAS scale. And that sounds a lot like Packers tailback Jamal Williams. Now, they play football completely differently. But I am just talking about the Packers utilizing, you know, one of those rare non-eight-and-a-half, nine-plus guys on the RAS scale. Uh uh, Williams was an outlier in his draft class. There darn near weren't any outliers in the 2018 draft class. Montgomery, I think, has a lot to gain by performing well at the Combine because his tape is so good. Yeah, his his vision is is up there with anyone's in this class, and that's something you can't really underrate, and it's probably – I mean, it's probably – it's probably very underrated in general, but just, I mean, the guy sees the field so well. I, I like David Montgomery a lot too, but the thing with him too, Ross, and you said it, like we know he's probably a four, six guy, but if he comes out there and maybe runs a little bit faster, maybe that raises a few eyebrows and, and he can make himself a little bit of money this weekend. That's the, the, the change direction drills go well, or the explosion drills go well. He just, in my opinion, he, to, to be a second round pick, I think he needs to to end up with you know a relative athletic score seven plus. That's my opinion. I would agree, I would agree with that though because I mean even those second round picks, it it just seems like the running back position has just been devalued so much that even a top fifty pick, I you kind of have to be in my eyes. You kind of need to be special to get picked that high. 
I mean, so, not- for our listeners, just kind of a general easy way to understand these numbers that we're talking about, a relative athletic score of seven means you're in the 70th percentile athletically. It means of all the running backs taken since I think like 1983, Montgomery would be more athletic per this formula than 70% of them. Yeah. And you'll be seeing, and if you follow along, you'll be seeing that a lot because that's becoming used pretty, 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 pretty predominantly, especially in the, in the draft community. So um, if you don't know what an RAS score is, Ross just described it really well, but make sure you go look it up. Kentley Platt is the guy that actually developed it. He's a Lions fan, but we'll forgive him for that because he gave us this pretty cool formula. Um, next position uh, is the wide receiver position. Something, you know, another position that the Packers have might have some mild interest in, uh, maybe in the later rounds. But a couple of guys I want to talk about, and we both wanted to talk about this first one, so we can talk about him first. But that's DK Metcalf, the, the uh, wide receiver slash edge looking guy from Old Miss. If you've seen pictures of this guy recently, he honestly looks like the Incredible Hulk. I mean, he has just – I don't know if he's always been this big, but it looks like he's just not not ballooned up, but I don't even know what you want to call it. Just gotten swole, gotten huge, gotten jacked. He is massive. If you haven't looked – if you haven't seen it, you're probably living under a rock, but he is massive. But the, de- the devil's advocate question for that, Ross, is what about – David Boston. What about these receivers that get so big that they're just they're muscle bound? They're not as fast. They're not as flexible anymore. Um, I mean, DK Metcalf comes from a line of offensive linemen. I mean, he his uncle and his father both played offensive line in the NFL. So he's got that. He's kind of got that big man's frame. So I'm I'm really excited just to watch him work out. I'm also really excited to watch him run more routes. I don't. You know, this guy played three years of college football and ended up on, you know, ended up on the injured list two of those years. You know, he's coming off of a broken neck, for goodness sakes. He was very productive when he was in, but because of that, I think you see his 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 route tree is pretty underdeveloped. But besides all that, if he comes out and, you know, he he could be a legit 6'5", 240 pounds. That might be on the high end, but he's going to be a big guy. And if he can come and run in the 4'4s, four I mean, you're, you're getting into rare, you know, special territory there if you can be that big that fast with the type of athletic numbers that he's probably going to put up so then you start asking yourself ross like where do you feel comfortable taking a guy like that hi for me i've got dk at 14 on the overall big board um i've got kind of a theory you know as far as as the packers are concerned i don't really want them uh to replace a mid-round receiver. Like, I, I don't want them to go in the fourth, fifth round and take another Jamon Moore, uh, take another, uh, you know, MVS or EQ. If, if the Packers haven't selected a receiver by 44, maybe by 75, but after pick 75, I'm done. I don't want to see it. I'm I, Like, if you're going to take a mid-round receiver – Give your current mid-round receivers, you know, another year to develop and see if you have something there. If, if you're going to take a receiver, do it in the top 75. Get your, you know, your your next Jordy Nelson slash Devontae Adams slash James Jones, whatever, who, you know, profiles as a legit starting outside wide receiver or a plus, you know, slot guy like a Debo Samuel. The only, the only, you know, 
wavering that I would have on that request or that theory would be your, you know, your, your Penny Hart, your Andy Isabella, uh, Hunter Renfro, your legit slot guys uh, to to replace Randall Cobb. Yeah, someone that's going to bring a unique skill set. You know, something they don't already have. And I, I third or fourth. Yeah. Yep. And and so and so I actually I haven't heard you say that, but I I really like that theory. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, trust trust your developmental program. Make sure like give these guys a shot. Don't let it get log jammed. If but if a guy like DK is sitting there at thirty, you know, depending on who else is on the board, I would be really hard pressed to pass him up just because I think. As far as upside goes, he has it's sky's the limit. I mean, this guy, this guy legit has Julio Jones type potential to to be that type of guy. Um, will it ever materialize? That I think that's the risk you take. And I think at thirty, if he's there, that'd be a, a risk I'd be willing to take. Like I said, depending on who's the board. But to- talking about another guy with potential, someone that is gonna get. You know, he's he's not he actually was not invited to the combine. Now he is, so he can go interview and all that. They're not gonna let him work out. This is Preston Williams from Colorado State. When you just talk about raw ability, he's not up there as far as DK Metcalf is, but he's a much better receiver right now than DK than DK Metcalf. I mean, this guy has all the physical tools. He's long, he's lanky, he's a good route runner, he's got He's got everything. He's he's a five tool prospect if this is the MLB. But then you'd ask yourself, so why? What's his deal? And he's got a ton of baggage. He so the so the story goes. This is Preston Williams from Colorado State. He has a restraining order filed against him by his girlfriend, who he was moving out. And in the heat of the situation of him moving out, he pushed her. And she filed this restraining order. Later on, he violated this restraining order. That charge was later dropped. But then there's other issues with him about, and I don't know if this is when he was on a recruiting visit from high school or after after he transferred from Tennessee, but he was on Auburn's sideline at a game and had to get kicked off because he was being a distraction for Lord knows what he was doing. But then on top of that, even, Tennessee, when he left there, he, he really didn't own own anything. He just said he wasn't getting the help he needed at Tennessee, which is kind of a weird thing to say when you're transferring, when you have all of this baggage already. But the thing that is interesting with him is if you're putting the pieces together, Colorado State's wide, receiver, wide receivers coach, Alvis Witted, is now the Packers wide receivers coach. If anyone – is going to be comfortable with this guy or 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 not comfortable or could say completely take him off your board. He's you know, he's this or that. We don't want him here. You know, one that one way or the other. You would have to think it's the Green Bay Packers at this point to to be comfortable with him and to have a spot where he can come and kind of have like a, a nest, a, a nice safe place to land where he's got his you know ex-college coach and the, and the thing about him, Ross, is I know I'm sure a ton of teams already have him off their board, and he might be a guy that is sitting there in the fifth round with first-round ability. Um, and I don't know, have you watched Preston Williams yet, Ross? I have. I like him a lot, and uh, I'm a big Alice Witted fan. Everybody that follows me and my interests uh, – 
you know, related to the draft and, and did so in 2018 knows how I felt about Michael Gallup. That was uh, wide receiver two for me behind Cortland Sutton. I was quite a bit higher on Mike Gallup than most. And uh, he is just another, he along with Rashard Higgins are, you know, that's a mid-major program at Colorado State. Those are high major receivers. And, and so is Preston. And I, I personally... I have a very, very, very low tolerance for putting hands on a woman. It's not cool with me at all. Um, in general, uh, would just be a stay away from me. But the story, you know, as far as I understand, doesn't involve any striking, just a push. Um, seems like a young kid that had to clear a lot of hurdles to even be allowed to play for Colorado State as far as getting help, as far as doing – you know, his part to get back. And with his college coach in tow, I could certainly be talked into it. It's not like it's something that, you know, I necessarily celebrate. But in a league with Tyree Kill, <laughs> taking, you know, probably 110, 120 spots after he should have been taken. What You know, at, at what point do you do something like that for Preston Williams? Yeah, and I think that's that's the question that is going to have to be answered and it will be answered on, you know, draft weekend, but that's going to do it. So yeah, he's going to get drafted. I would, I would assume he's too talented not to, especially if Tyree kill got drafted, the stories that, I mean, I mean, granted Preston Williams has more of a, more of a rap sheet. You know, he, he seems a lot more, you know, Tyree kill has got the one incident, which, you know, Ross, it sucks that we're even sitting here comparing the two, but you know, both of them did really crappy things. Um, but if Tyreek's in the league, Preston Williams is going to be in the league too. So um, the Packers, all I'm saying is the Packers have a tie to him and he's worth keeping an eye on. Well, they have a place for him in the lineup. I, that I can tell you. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, so you got you got one more guy on this list, Ross, uh, that you're excited to see. Who is it? Yeah, so the, the other guy that I'm interested to pay attention to is Kelvin Harmon. Um, he's got some Jordy Nelson buzz. Um mostly because of extraordinary body control and ability to high point the football. Um, excellent footwork around the sideline, but just a general smooth nature to his route running ability. Um, he's a hands catcher and just someone that is, for me right now, uh, I believe wide receiver two behind, uh, behind DK. And I think has a chance to, Potentially overtake DK, probably not, but also to create like a shelf. And so he, I think, comes in with an RAS over eight. Now you look at that film and it's like, all right, DK is definitely wide receiver one, but Harmon is definitely wide receiver two. Because right now that's that's not accurate. That, that It's my opinion, but it's not everybody else's at this time. Uh, you you can hear Marquise Brown plenty. You can hear A.J. Brown uh, plenty. You can hear even, you know, a, a couple people in on Riley Ridley. Um, I could be certainly talked into Debo Samuel as wide receiver too, but he has a specific thing that he does. There are Nikhil Harry people in this life. I, I'm not one of them, but that, that's a thing that exists. So uh, Kelvin Harmon, I think, with a great combine – if that presses people back to his tape, boy, I think that's going to be good for him. 
And man, I love I love that Jordy Nelson comp. Actually, Kelvin Harmon is actually wide receiver one for me. And in my grading scale, I mean, it is minuscule. I mean, it's tiny. They're almost tied. He's almost tied with DK. And I think DK is going to overtake him when I input RAS scores. But I like you said, I love I love Kelvin Harmon. He is a fun watch. He's he's a fun guy to watch. And I like I like the Jordy comp too because I think he's probably going to be a four five type guy, but he doesn't get caught. You know what I mean? Ball's in the air. He's got another gear. And so you look at play speed, I, I like him a lot. Um, but let's move on to the the tight end position. Uh, we got two really fun guys here. I'll, I'll just be quick with mine because I talked about him. Um, I talked about him last week. But uh, Jay Sternberger is the guy that's on brand for me. He's one of my favorite guys in this draft class. I'm excited to watch him just because I think people are sleeping on him as an athlete. I honestly think – that he deserves to be in the conversation with the Iowa kids. I think he's every bit as good. Um, well, not as Hawk, but probably as, as Fant, I think he, he deserves to be up there. He will be in my top three. And I do have uh, Jay Sternberger above Irv Smith, just because I think he's that much better of a route runner. Um, I think he's so much more refined as a receiver right now. Irv Smith is probably a little bit better of an athlete, but I think it's going to be closer than what people think. Um, so I'm looking forward to watch Jay Sternberger work out, and I'm looking forward to uh, to see what his RAS score is and, and what his numbers will be. For me, you know, this won't come as a surprise to anybody, but it's, it's TJ Hawkinson. And the reason that it's TJ Hawkinson is because he's my eighth overall player. And you get into a couple of Twitter arguments with people, uh, you know, it, it would be not since Eric Ebron, you know, that anybody had gone in the top ten. O.J. Howard was considered a very highly ranked member of his class, but didn't go until 19. Uh, This kind of bottom of the first round, top of the second round area has been sort of where these tight ends have been kind of pigeonholed now. Uh, Your your Dallas Goddards, your Hunter Henrys, um, those kind of guys are, are sort of in that area. Now, I think, you know, I, I, I value Hawk where I have him, but to actually have a chance to go eight to the Lions or 12 to the Packers, I really think that Hawk has to test out on an elite level. He's not going to get drafted in the top 15 uh, w- with an average combine, and then that sends people back to the tape because the tape is great. He's an excellent separator, catches the ball with his hands, uh, excellent after the catch. He's good at breaking tackles, and he is as punishing of a run blocker as you're going to find. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's on par with, like, Dalton Schultz last year for, for uh, Stanford, who ended up, I believe, with the Dallas Cowboys. But Dalton didn't have much of a receiving element to his game. He didn't look like a guy uh, that was going to be able to contribute in the past game year one. Hawk looks that way. Um, he looks to be probably one of the best – two or three pass receiving tight ends in this group. And the gap between he and the next guy as a blocker is substantial. But unless he is elite athletically, he will be in that 25 to 45 range, like the elite, you know, the elite tight ends before him or perceived elite tight ends before him. And yeah. And people want to say, well, how can you put him, how can he be going at 12? Why is that even a conversation? And the answer to that is if you're, if you're asking that, I don't think you've looked at this draft class because, okay, 
name 10 guys that are better than T, than than uh, TJ Hawkinson. You can't. You can't in this draft. No, you can't. He's a top 10 player. Um, but it's it's a positional value thing. And what I think is interesting about him especially is not only is he – he's tight end one, but he's tight end one in a really, really deep tight end draft class. So is that going to push him down the board? Our team's going to say, yeah, we really like TJ Hawkinson, but we can get, you know, player X in round three. And we like him it's a lot. Lots of knocks or now it's uh, – yeah. Yep. So is that, and that'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Is that going to, is that going to make him drop or, or what? Or is our team going to have conviction and say, no, we, TJ Hawkinson's our guy. We're taking him, which we'll see. I mean, that's part of the, the allure of, of draft day. Uh, but moving on, O line. We're just going to talk about O line, not guard tackle. But one guy, um, actually, Ross, I'll let you start first because this, this was a guy on your top, top 40. What was our top 20 you released the other day? There are two guys that I thought, that, that I raised an eyebrow to, and this is one of them. I like this guy a lot, but this is this is Ross. Ross, this is your brand here. This dude is you. So I want to hear you talk about this guy one more time. Yeah, and and I, honestly, you know, I try not to let it be a biased situation, but I have got to know Dalton Reisner a little bit. Um, I'm covering Kansas State now for 24-7, and I've been put in touch with him. But I tell you, I have watched – I'm doing a spring scout series for them to kind of evaluate the status of their roster moving into the Chris Kleiman era. And I have seen every game from 18, eight, nine times and, and a couple of 17 games, you know, three, four, five, six times. He stands out on every play. I think what you get in Dalton is not just what's on the field. I think he completely changed the culture of an offensive line, maybe even of an offense. He's such a positive thinking kid. He's nasty. He finishes guys. Uh, he, he's a tone setter. And I think, frankly, he has the highest floor of any offensive line prospect in this class period. That includes Juwan. That includes Jonah. Um, Dalton is going to be, at the very least, a quality starter in this league. He is worth a first-round pick. I don't care if you play him at center. I don't care if you play him at right guard. I don't care if you play him at right tackle. He is going to be, I would basically guarantee, a plus starter for a decade. And, you know, maybe he can't be Quentin Nelson. That's fine. But I I just don't see the bus potential in this kid. I I don't see it. Yeah, and – and that's why, Ross, when you, like you have him, what, number 11 on your big board right now? 10 or 11. Yeah, something. Yeah. Hey, and he's not, to, to be fair to myself, um, he, he is offensive lineman three for me. I, I have Jonah at seven. I have Juwan Taylor of Florida at nine. And I have Dalton at 10. I, I just – I think that those three kids can play. I think that there is – kind of a massive gap too between like Dalton and Greg Little. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And, and that's why I was going to say like, you can't, you know, I, I would say, Oh wow. That, you know, Ross has got Dalton a lot higher than I do. I think I got Dalton in the 30s somewhere, but with that said, I would never argue against him being in the top 15 because he's going to be a damn good player. Like you just said, and it, it's just, how do you value that? You know, it's just, you know, personal preferences and stuff. I tend to value, uh, offensive lineman with a higher ceiling a little bit more. Not that Dalton doesn't have one, but like you said, his floor is is high. And that's and that's already, you know, at the senior bowl, that was the talk about about Reisner is whoever drafts him is getting a good player. Like that's just 
you know, his bust rate, his bust rate or his bust potential is very low. Um, just a super solid player. And like you said, um, coaches love him. His teammates love him. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was a leader on that field at the senior bowl already, which is, I mean, that's, a, that's a very big sign, but uh, another guy at the senior bowl that I, I'm excited to watch at the combine, because I really want to see how this guy has gone from the senior bowl into how he's going to look at the combine. And I'll explain that in a second, but that's Titus Howard. And he is the, the Alabama state offensive tackle. He is, I mean, your prototypical ball, ball of clay. I mean, he is, he's built like a left tackle. He's got feet like a left tackle. His arms are the size of a left, left tackle. He's, he, he's how you draw it up. But then when you watch this guy play, there are times where, you know, he gets into his kick slide, he gets into his pass sets, and you go, wow, like he really looks like a player. His, his hand, his punch, all that stuff is there. Looks really good. You might have something here. But then two plays later, you're looking at him and going, what the heck did he, did Titus just do? I mean, he's flailing his arms. He's on his back. He's he's honestly, he's sending haymakers like after the play's over. It's He's a weird evaluation. So I'm excited just to watch him at the combine. Has he refined some of that stuff? When we watch him get into his pass sets, when we watch the mirror drills um, for offensive linemen, how's he, has, has he gotten better in that, you know, in that month and a half time span, which is, you know, kind of the fun part of the process with some of these guys is you get to see them a few times and you get to see, okay, so Titus Howard played at Alabama state. So, you know, he wasn't getting the coach, you know, coaching like the guys down the street at mobile or at, uh, at uh, Birmingham are getting or wherever the heck uh, Alabama is. Uh, but he was, but my point is he's not getting the same coaching. So now that he's getting professional level coaching, how is he taking it? Um, so he's a guy that's interesting for me to keep an eye on. That's Titus Howard. And Ross, for the sake of time, we, let's 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 go uh, let's go speed rush through these defensive players. Even though the yeah, defense, who plays defense? Yeah, what's that? I said, who plays defense? Yeah, I know we don't we don't have a defense, anyways. Even though defense is really what the Packers should be looking at, um, but some of these guys are guys we've talked about already. Um, for the, for the safety position, we'll start there because that's a big need for the Packers. A guy that we both have down is Nasir Adderley. Um, he's a guy, Ross. We've talked about this on the pod before. He's a guy that he's going to need to test well. And guys that play at the FCS level, they, that's kind of kind of goes with it. You know, because he's, he's not a bigger guy. There are concerns about some of his tackling ability. I had a scout tell me at the Combine that I, I was talking to him. Well, I, said, I, I told him, I said, I think Nasir Adderley might be the best player here. And he looked at me and goes, he can't tackle. He can't tackle anybody. And I just kind of looked at him. And I said, yeah, he can. And uh, he, I, I know this guy, and he's like a week ago he kind of told me he's, he's walking that statement back a little bit he's going well Nasir can tackle he's just more of an ankle biter like well yeah so I don't care um he can tackle but he also is going to need to test well if he if he comes out and runs a mid four five um that's not good for him because his game is is kind of that single high uh kind of type safety that can come down and play some nickel corner for you if you want and honestly Ross he didn't look great um, at, at the corner, playing corner and playing man at the senior bowl. He did have that high ankle sprain. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, is that healthy? And if it is healthy, how's he going to run? Yeah, I don't want to see him at corner. That's not my thing. I mean, if he wants to play a little bit of Micah Hyde slot corner, like I'm not going to freak out, but no thanks. I'm good on that. Um, I want to see, can he run that Nick Collins 40? He, he Probably not, but I mean, can he be the small school free safety? Can he play center field? Great stat from Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Uh, seen some 
you know, things uh, from 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 this person or that person saying, "Wow, the Packers, you know, Patton, he'll he'll play some too some too high shell." Not really, not really. Sixty one percent, sixty one plus percent of Green Bay snaps, middle of the field safety, center field safety, um, playing single high, engaging eight guys at the line of scrimmage. That's Mike Patton, man. And Jim Leonard used to be that center fielder for his teams. Jimmy was not the most talented guy in the world. Any, you know, I love Wisconsin. I love all of all of our listeners from Wisconsin. And I don't mean to besmirch the good name of Jim Leonard, but he was not a, a nine and a half RAS guy. Um, I don't think you need that, but I need to at least see from this year that he has the range to theoretically be a single high free safety in this league. Because if he doesn't, you know, that for me, that moves him down 25, 30 spots. Mm-hmm. Because if you have to play cover two or or he has to play strong safety, shoot, those guys are a dime a dozen. Yep. And that's it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, I'm looking at your other names that you have written down too. I think you've kind of got have a theme here. And I'll let you talk about these two guys. But I think both of these guys are guys that could potentially be that cover one type safety. Um, but let's let's hear who your other two guys that you got are off. Right. I, I just I need to see the testing numbers for Amani Hooker from uh, Iowa. I think he could be even a plus version of, of Micah Hyatt as free safety because I think he's a little bit more athletic. But he showed um, I, I think they got a great defensive backs coach there at Iowa or, or even just a good defensive program. You look at Desmond King. Ah, he's undersized. Still really good NFL player. Josh Jackson. Ah, he's, he's too slow. Fantastic college player. I ranked him cornerback one going into the last draft. I still think he has a fantastic NFL future, uh, despite what went on his his rookie year. And and, and now Amani Hooker is on, on that level for me. Um, somewhere between you know Josh Jackson, who went in the forties, and Micah Hyde, who went quite a bit after that, but he has that. Iowa smarts, and I want to see what kind of, uh, you know, what, really what kind of athleticism, where his ceiling is, where where can, where can he get? And then Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and I just, I, I'm having a tough place, tough time placing him in a defense. Um, is he a box safety? Is he a slot corner? Is he a zone guy like a Micah Hyde? Uh, what do I really want from him? I need him to test well so that I believe he can play free safety because, boy, his tape is a fun watch. Yeah, and I, I have nothing to add. You hit the nail on the head with both those guys. I think those are the questions they need to answer and the same questions I have in my head. So let's move on to the cornerback position. Something that's kind of been debated a little bit on the Packers' Twitter is, is corner a need or is it not a need? And I think the answer is probably not really, not high, but – in Ross, I think we would agree on this that you you do you need to trust your developmental department. I think they got young talent there. Don't pour into that. Kind of the same with what Ross was talking about earlier with the wide receiver position. What's the point of taking another one high when you already got high picks that you don't really know what you have yet? So um, some guys though that I'm still I'm still interested to watch just because I really like them. Um, this is one of my favorite players in this draft class that I'm interested to see how he tests. And that's Byron Murphy from Washington. He is like Jair Alexander light. I think Jair is a much better athlete than Byron Murphy is. I think he's a lot, has a lot plays with a lot more confidence than, than Byron Murphy does. But when you talk about mirroring ability, 
foot speed, hips, all that stuff. Byron Murphy's a really fun guy to watch. And I just and because I like him, I don't think he has any shot ending up as a Green Bay Packer. But I just like the guy and I hope he tests well. Um and I hope I honestly hope he tests well so he can go kind of in that fifteen to thirty range. So someone else falls to 30 for the Packers. But he's my guy. I hope he tests well. I think he's an interesting one to watch. If you just like watch cornerback play, he's a, he's a fun one to watch. Yeah, and I don't disagree with him. I think he's kind of like taking Josh Jackson just a year later. Um, I think he's got some man-to-man questions, uh, but I really like him as his own corner. Uh, Petten has to prove that he'll actually play his own. <laughs> That's kind of my issue with him. Uh, I saw so much Joshua Jackson in slot man coverage last year that it just made me want to die. Uh, I did not like the way that, that that number 37 was utilized. It made, in my opinion, very little sense. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't want a corner high um, unless it's something crazy, uh, you know, where it is. Your, your, your top, top guy, like greedy, and it's at 30, you know, or mm-hmm. – um, a, a deal just presents itself and you move up to 25 to take greedy Byron. I, I just, I, I can't get there. Uh, or my guy, uh, Amani Aruye. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> He's your guy. You got him in the top 20. You don't want to say his last name, Ross. Oh, I, that's a tough one, man. I'm, 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 I'll give, I'll I'm, give you a pass on that one. That is a tough one. Yeah. I'm, I'm Norwegian. Um, I, yeah, yeah, we, that's a that's a tough pronounce, man. That is a, a tough, tough pronounce. But Amani from from Penn State, uh, I just like his game. I like his length. I think he could be a legit man corner. There's some stuff he did in zone that was just insane. I mean, as far as just not even really being in the frame. And that's, of course, what's so difficult about basically analyzing uh, cornerback and safety play from broadcast film is you, you just don't have your eye on the guy the whole time. But there have been times where he's flown into the screen to make a play on the football where it just didn't even make sense. And and I, I like him as a player. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm good right now. I think you have two long-term outside corners that you need to see what you have in Josh Jackson and Kevin King. And then you have an extremely dynamic slot corner uh, who, who legitimately has like Chris Harris Jr. level upside in in in, in Jair? You have an interesting developmental project, in my opinion, in Tony Brown. Um, if you want to grab a corner that you feel like slipped a little bit with maybe that extra fourth round pick, um, you want to grab a corner that's a little bit of project with a fifth round pick. Great, cool, awesome. Please don't blow another top forty-five pick on a corner before you can. You've even figured out if Josh Jackson and Kevin King can play. I mean, just please don't don't do that. I agree. Yep, hundred percent agree with you. Um, okay, moving on. Off-ball linebacker. This <laughs> this is a funny position because you got you got two guys at the top. One of them is the guy you're going to talk about. You got Mac Wilson, who's he's kind of sliding a little bit. But then beyond that, I mean. Uh, Joe Giles Harris from Duke is okay. Jelani Tavai from Hawaii is okay, but gosh, it falls off. I mean, honestly, like after those, it's a bunch guys, of green martinis. Yeah, it really is. It's a, bunch, it's a of bunch of guys. I wouldn't want to yeah. draw. Um, but there is, but so that's why I picked. I picked one guy in there that I think has at least a really nice athletic profile. 
Um, and that's Terrell Hanks from New Mexico State. Uh, you know, he's an ex ex safety, kind of kind of in your Oren Burks type mold. I think he's going to test really well. Um, I don't know what kind of player he is yet. He, honestly, he is very up and down. His tape is very inconsistent. His range and coverage is fine. Um, but as far as tackling and block deconstruction, ugh, it's not very good. But guys like this sometimes get into an NFL system and the light comes on and you have yourself a, um, a, like a Darius. Darius Leonard is a terrible example because Darius Leonard is really good and an all-pro. But just kind of in that vein of a guy coming from maybe a, not the best program that gets into the NFL and all of a sudden, boom, they're they're a different player. Um, so Terrell Hanks is my guy. He's also a guy I think he's gonna te- he's gonna test really well. So look for his name to be the top of you know on top of a lot of the the linebacker uh, drills and stuff like that. So he's an interesting one for me. Yeah, and so I think you know for me, the the guy I'm looking at here is is Devin. Bush, not to be not to be um, confused with Devin White. Devin White would be what I would call this year's consensus, uh, in my opinion, number one inside linebacker, off ball linebacker, whatever nomenclature you want to use. Uh, but he's a guy that uh, you know would, would be generally considered linebacker one. Devin Bush is an interesting study. Uh, He's very, very impressive, but the concern, I think, has to be size. Uh, he's listed at 5'11", 235. If he measures in at 5'10", we have a problem. I mean, that is uh, not that he can't be an NFL linebacker at 5'10", but he can't be a first-round pick at 5'10". So that, that, I've, I've heard people say, Ross, that if he measures in at 5'10", that's going to be a win for him. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy yeah I mean that's scary stuff um as far as just coverage you know I mean I don't care how technically sound you are I don't care how fast you are if you get matched up on a six foot six tight end and you're five eleven, good quarterbacks are going to make sure you have a bad day and so I think Devin has to measure in well, which of course he has no control over. I'm not an idiot, but um, at the same time, I mean, he, he needs to test out of his mind. It has to happen. Yeah, he does. And he needs to, so hopefully he does. Cause I, I really, his tape, you touched on that. His tape's good. I mean, he's a good player. Oh yeah. He's a guy that honestly, if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't measure in well, and he's sitting there in the in the 70s range with that third round pick. I'd pounce all over it. Uh, but we're talking first, second round. I I I'm with you. I I wouldn't be super comfortable with him at, at that height. Not that guys haven't done it before, and not that guys haven't done it very successfully. But it's just his path to success would would it just be a lot different looking? Um, and you you might be saying, well, it's just one inch. Well, <laughs> it's where do you draw the line? You know, that's kind of the thing. So. Um, hopefully for Devin Bush's sake from Michigan, he, he measures in well, cause I do like him a lot as a player, uh, moving on to edge. This is, this is kind of your baby, Ross. These are, these are your babies here. So, um, I'll tread lightly on some of these guys, but we both have, we both have Brian Burns down as our guy that we're excited to see. And I'd be willing to wager. We're, we're excited to see him cause I want to see what he weighs in at one. I want to see how, how heavy he is. 
And then I want to see how he carries it. Because if he can measure in above, you know, the what people are saying is probably in the, the two mid 240s to high 240s. And if he can measure in at that range and move like he showed he can move on tape, he's my edge two in this class. And I'm saying, yes, above above Josh Allen, he's my edge two. I love Brian Burns. Um, but if he comes in at 230, like he probably played at, uh, and it doesn't test very well, uh, this is one position, and this I know you think the same way, Ross. This is one position that athletes matter. Yeah. Um, it, it, and your hit rate goes down drastically if if you if you are not the type of athlete um, that's typically successful, you know Justin Mosqueda has got the his you know his force players is so popular because it's it's a pretty good indication of what type of guy you're going to get. So Brian Burns is a guy for me that I'm excited to to watch for those reasons, Ross. Yeah, but average to poor athletes struggle mightily uh, at at. at at this level uh, for, for pass rush for edge guys, whether it's three, four outside linebacker four three defensive end. So few average to below average athletes have high sack totals. I mean, it just, it almost never happens to be blunt. It, it is so incredibly, incredibly rare. Yep. And so Burns is one, the other guy for me that I'm excited to watch is, and we talked about him. I know you talked about him. I hadn't watched him when you talked about him last, but that's Anthony Nelson from Iowa. Dude's awesome. I really, I really like watching his tape. He's he's an enjoyable guy to watch. Now the question for him is same thing. What kind of athlete is he? Um, we know he can set an edge. He he's an ass kicker in the run game. I mean, there's I think it was Mississippi State that they were playing in the Outback Bowl where he single handedly had like a goal line stand. I mean, I don't know why, but Mississippi State ran at him twice, and he just threw a guy to the side and made a tackle. And then the last time he he chased a guy down from the backside. So. He's a guy that's fun. I, I really like him. Uh, I think he could come in and and be the type of guy that if he's the type of, if he's a good enough athlete, I think he's a guy that can come in be a six, seven, eight sack a year guy, but also really good in 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 run defense and a guy that can play on my team any day. I threw this out there and I, and I I don't think it's I honestly don't think it's just because they're white guys that play defensive end at Iowa. Anthony Nelson gives me a little bit of Aaron Campman vibes. What, which Aaron Campman couldn't really survive in the 3-4, but that was old Aaron Campman. We, I would have liked to see Aaron Campman in his younger days maybe get a chance at that. Well, and Patton doesn't run the exact – because when, when Dom brought in the 3-4, he brought in the, the world's most original 3-4. I mean, the, the one that basically started the 3-4. I mean, he was playing a zero-tech, two-gapping – Nose tackle, five techs, outside linebackers playing that seven technique. I mean, that that was the deal. That was what what they ran, and and there was no penetrating one gap nickel. There was, you know, they they weren't multiple in in the way that they ran things until later, as Capers had to adjust what he was doing. So no, I, I think. Campman, younger Campman might have had a better shot, but even a more advanced version of that defense, even a more advanced, like what Capers eventually decided to play and what Petten currently plays, that's something where you can play that elephant end and you can kind of use like a Julius Peppers, Aaron Campman style guy, and you can actually get into a position where you're putting your athletes in the best position to win one-on-one battles. 
Yeah, and, he, and what I love about him is he's got vi- – he's, his hands are violent. I mean, this guy – you talk about heavy hands. You talk about watching a guy put his hands on you and, and you, see the, you see the offensive tackle or guard just get shocked. Um, and so he, he's a fun guy. I really like him. Um, and so we talked about Brian Burns. We talked about Anthony Nelson, Ross, but we cannot talk about Brian Burns without talking about Ja'Kai Polite. So tell me about Ja'Kai Polite and tell me what you want to see out of him this weekend. I want to see good flexibility numbers. Um, I think your 10-yard split's going to be outstanding. He's a, he's a great first step. He's extremely explosive as an athlete. I just want to see flexibility. I'd like to see strength. You know, the bench press number would be good to see. Uh, but functional strength, he his tape is, is good. And uh, he has the ability, I think, to come in and be a two-down pass rush guy, but, but a dominant one and somebody that you can use to spy the quarterback um, somebody that you can use on twists. Really, honestly, uh, the guy that he reminds me more and more of is Clay Matthews. I think it's honestly just a chance to redraft Clay Matthews. Uh, that's what I see when I turn on Ja'Kai Polite. Now, Clay, over the course of his career, had differing results as a run defender. Um, but but I think Polite you know, has the chance to sort of offer that as well. And Honestly, I don't care. Uh, draft Anthony Nelson two rounds later to play on rundowns. Uh, play Dean Lowry on rundowns for all I care. I, I need Ja'Kai to get after the quarterback. That's that's what I need. Yeah, and when when you put in that terms, he's he's a headhunter. I mean, he really might be the best pure pass rusher in this draft class. Uh, but you have a sleeper on here for us too, Ross. I want to hear about this guy. Yeah, I've had a chance to watch a little bit of Malik Carney from North Carolina, and he's just a guy that I'm really interested to see what kind of athlete he is. His his tape's a fun watch. Um, I, I I just I like a lot about uh, about his game. I think that he has a legitimate shot at being um, a you know kind of a, a rotational pass rush guy at this level. Uh, not not the biggest dude in the world, 6'2", 245, uh, but, you know, it's kind of Ja'Kai Polite light. I think has every chance to really make his way as a 3-4 outside linebacker. Yeah, he's a guy that I have not watched any tape on. I know the name, but now that you bring him up, that's the second time I've heard his name in the last week. So he's a guy I'll have to get to. Um so last one here on our, our marathon list of, of combine prospects is uh, D-lineman, interior D-lineman. I'm going to start with uh, with a guy I really liked at the Senior Bowl. His name's Dylan Mack. He's a Texas A&M guy, big nose tackle type, uh, former five-star recruit coming out of high school, really what was on some sites the number one prospect coming out that year. Um, so he's a guy that just kind of never really materialized until really about like halfway through his senior year. I'm excited to see what kind of athlete he is just because there was a buzz about him at the senior bowl. Um, just kind of people talking about what, what he's going to be able to do um, at 330 some pounds. He's not a tall guy. He's like six foot six one. So he's very stocky, but he carries his weight about as well as you can for a guy that's, that's that size. I mean, he's just got, tree trunks for legs. The guy doesn't have a lot of fat on him. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to see what kind of numbers he puts up just because I heard so many people say at the Senior Bowl, you know, this guy is going to be very impressive at the Combine. So we'll see with Dylan Mack. Um, Ross, you have a guy on here that 
I think a lot a lot of people are familiar with and a lot of people are really excited to see. Yeah, just from a straight what can he do standpoint, man, I mean, Ed Oliver might be the star of the show, legit. I mean, the things that he can do, his range uh, that you can see when you watch him chase guys down, he is something else. And, and oh, I tell you what. He might have the highest RAS. I don't. I don't know what he's going to weigh in at. I think that might have a lot to do with it. But I mean, there there are weird rumors going around about teams seeing him as an inside linebacker. I, he's just an incredible, credible athlete, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Not necessarily because I think he's going to be like this great, uh, you know, going to be this great prospect, or maybe even a great, great fit with the Packers. I just think that the numbers he could put up might be absolutely incredible. And we were trying to think of some comps for him the other day. And he's a guy that he's kind of like a unicorn. He, he doesn't have a lot of good pro comps. But one guy that someone threw out was uh, was John Randall. The old, you know, obviously the old. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, John Randall came into the league at 240. And he was 240, sure. 250. He was tiny coming in. Um, and if John Randall can play in that era of football where running the ball was a lot more, you know, readily, you know, something people did, you know, why can't Ed Oliver play, uh, you know, play three tech, play five tech, play, you know, play edge. I mean, play him anywhere. Who cares? Play him off ball. Like that's, you know, I heard some people talking about that today. It's like Ed Oliver is a guy that isn't a guy you would say doesn't have a position. He's a guy you would say he has probably has a lot of positions you can play him at. Um, and so, Ross, my question for you is, say the NFL just completely overthinks Ed Oliver, because they've never done that before. The, the NFL has never overthought anyone. He's sitting there at 12. Say the the edge, your top three or four edge rushers are off the board. Would you be comfortable with Ed Oliver coming to Green Bay? Oh, I could be talking to that instantly. Absolutely. I think he has a natural starting position in the 3-4 as the weak side five tech. Uh, you know, you, you've got two kind of stout guys at that point then, you know, because Mike Daniels is, is shorter and, and Ed is, is, is lighter, but I think they're talented enough and squad enough to, to succeed against the run, despite a lack of length. I think Kenny Clark helps that tremendously, but boy, um, a, a pass rush rotation of Montrevious Adams and those three guys, is interior wise is something um, that that is some real real juice. Uh, I think heading into Mont's third year, Kenny's you know uh, time to really be a star. Whew, that that is some some juice, man. I mean, uh, Daniels is a is is a pass rush guy. Kenny got up to six and a half sacks last year. Ed he he, he isn't going to even know what to do with himself not getting triple teamed to the NFL. It would be something I could pretty easily talk myself into. Um, you, you would just pray then, you know, for me, it's six guys uh, on, on the uh, edge side, Bosa, Allen, Burns, Polite, and then a little bit of a shelf and then Sweat and Farrell. And you, you would just hope to, to, to all heavens that, that someone was still there at 30 or that they used, you know, 75 to move up or something. Yeah. 
Um, but Ed Oliver, yeah, I'm with you. I would take Ed Oliver in a heartbeat. I, you know, give me good players. Give me good players. We can figure it out. We can figure out where we play. Like you said, he's got a natural spot and a natural path for success in Green Bay system. So he'd be not a guy actually to keep an eye on that. This time last year, you would, if you would say the Packers had a shot at drafting Ed Oliver, most people would say you're crazy. So yeah, yeah. Yep. So. Um, so yeah, so hopefully you stuck around with us. This was a little bit longer of an episode, but we got prospects to talk about, man. So, um, this, you know, I think we gave you about 16 guys to keep an eye on. Um, and there's plenty more prospects to talk about when Ross and I are back in a couple weeks, we're going to pretty much keep this, keep this draft central going until, until we're through the draft, because that's the season run. Actually, we might be, no, I lied. We might be more free agent than I always, <laughs> Ross, I always forget that free agency happens because I love the draft so much, but Uh, In any case, we'll have plenty to talk about. Um, Again, thanks for sticking with us. And as always, go Pack Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over and gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Got Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15! 10! 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over, starts to his left. Now he moves, starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high, what did it caught? It is caught for a Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.